All right. Uh, thank you again for joining our Bible study for this evening. Our set of questions will center around, again, Sabbath, because there are many viewers who are asking a lot of, a lot concerning our Sabbath observance. And so we will go to our viewer mail first before we address the big question of the day is, does the Bible impose the death penalty for Sabbath breakers today? I hope not, right? But let's go ahead and go to the first question. Um, it's in Tagalog. Tanong ko lang po kaadya, Ezekiel 2020, nabanggit sa verse na ito sa mga Sabbath, ibig sabihin na may weekly Sabbath, uh, monthly, yearly, and etc. So Ezekiel 2020, this verse mentions uh, me, uh, my Sabbath. So it is plural, not singular. Not my Sabbath, but my Sabbaths. And so it is plural. And so this verse mentions my Sabbaths, does it mean that there are weekly, monthly, yearly Sabbaths, and etc.? And so he gives us a verse, Ezekiel 20, verse 20. Let's read Ezekiel 20, verse 20. Let's include 19 as well. I am Yahuwah your God. Walk in my statutes, keep my judgments, and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am Yahuwah, your God. And so the Bible does tell us in the book of Ezekiel to hallow my Sabbaths. It is in plural. Now, what does that mean? There are several possibilities and several meanings. First of all, if we go to Exodus 31, 12 to 13, and Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, speak also to the children of Israel saying, surely my Sabbaths, plural, you shall keep for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am Yahuwah who sanctifies you. And so here, Yahuwah, speaking to Moses, speaks about my Sabbaths that you shall keep. Now, when Yahuwah said my Sabbaths, what was the context? Let's keep reading 14 to 17. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to Yahuwah. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, Yahuwah made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And so when Yahuwah said in Exodus 31, verse 13, to keep my Sabbaths, plural, what was he referring to? He was referring to, according to 14 and 17, the continuation of the passage, he was referring to keeping the weekly Sabbath again and again and again as a perpetual covenant. And so it simply is telling us that the Sabbaths that Yahuwah was referring to when he said, my Sabbaths, plural, refers to the repetition of the obedience or the keeping of the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? It is rest on the seventh day. And so we keep following and observing it multiple times. It's no longer one Sabbath, but many Sabbaths. So we keep the weekly Sabbath perpetually because it is a part of a perpetual covenant 
that Yahuwah Abba has given to us. Now, having said that, there are also different kinds of Sabbath. We know that there is the seventh-day Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, but there are also annual Sabbaths that is according to the festivals of Yahuwah. Let's read Leviticus 23, 4 to 8. These are the feasts of Yahuwah, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is Yahuwah's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to Yahuwah. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, but you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So in addition to the weekly Sabbath, which falls on the seventh day of the week, right? There are also other Sabbaths which can fall on other days of the year, not just the seventh day. What does the Bible talk about or speak about when it mentions other days considered to be Sabbaths? Those that fall on certain days according to the feasts that Yahuwah has ordained and was given to us through Moses. We know that there are festivals or feasts. For example, on the 14th day of the first month, what is to be celebrated? The Passover. The following day, for seven days, what is the next festival? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so it is a seven-day festival. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, there's the first day and there's the seventh day. What is to be done on the first day? There's an assembly or a convocation. And the Bible says you shall do no customary work on it. And so that day, the first day of unleavened bread, is to be treated as a Sabbath, even if it doesn't fall on a seventh day. And also the seventh day of the celebration of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it must also be recognized as a Sabbath day. And so, so far, when we look at the feast, we have two times wherein we celebrate a Sabbath, even if it's not falling on an actual Saturday or seventh day of the week, the first and the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Where else? Leviticus 23, 15 and 16. From the day after the Sabbath, this is after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days later. Then present an offering of new grain to Yahuwah. That same, day, that same day will be proclaimed an official day for Holy Assembly, a day on which you do no ordinary work. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation where you live. So in addition to the first and seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Bible speaks of another festival, which is celebrated 50 days after the, the, the last Sabbath of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Right, And so we know this to be the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. On that day, the Bible says it is to be recognized as a holy assembly and no work is to be done on that day. So again, it is counted as a Sabbath. So far, so far we have three, right? We have the first day and the seventh day of Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we have the Feast of 
weeks or Pentecost. When else? Leviticus 23, 23 to 25. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. So when else is a day considered a Sabbath, even if it doesn't fall on the seventh day or a Saturday? When else? Blowing of trumpets, the first day of the month. Okay, so when the first day of the month comes, it is a holy day. It is a festival called the Feast of Trumpets, and it is to be recognized as a Sabbath. When else? Well, several days later, Leviticus 23, 27, 28, also the 10th day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before Yahuwah your God. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. So according to scriptures, in addition to uh, the day of trumpets, during the fall festivals, there's also another day that is assigned to be a Sabbath. Which day is that? The day of atonement, the 10th day of the seventh month. When else? Let's read Leviticus 23, 33 to 36. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying the 15th day of this seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days to Yahuwah. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days, you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. On the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. It is a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work on it. And so according to scriptures, not only do we recognize the first of the seventh month, the 10th of the seventh month, and the fifth, uh, we also recognize the 15th of the seventh month as a holy convocation and regarded as a Sabbath, even if it doesn't fall on a seventh day. It is to be a holy uh, convocation and it's regarded as a Sabbath. But if you notice, the Feast of Tabernacles is celebrated across several days. How many days? Eight days. So the first day and the eighth day is recognized as a Sabbath. So how many Sabbaths do we have so far in addition to the weekly Sabbaths? How many? We have the uh, first and seventh day of the Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread. We have Feast of Shavuot or Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, that's three. Then we have the Feast of of trumpets that's four then we have the day of atonement which is five and then we have the two uh for the feast of tabernacles the first and the eighth day we have how many seven right so we have seven sabbaths annual sabbaths connected to the festivals of yahuwah in addition to the weekly sabbath so there are many different sabbaths not only that there's also another kind of sabbath 
that was specifically given, Leviticus 25, 1 down to 4, and Yahuwah spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land which I give you, uh, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to Yahuwah. So here we have a commandment concerning Sabbath that's specific in time and specific in place, right? What is that? Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. A Sabbath to Yahuwah, you shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. So according to Yahuwah, telling Moses, once they get to the promised land, right, a specific time, a specific place, there is going to be a command put in effect. What is that? It is the command to observe the Sabbath rest for the land, not just for the people, but for the land. What does that mean? Six days, you are to prune your vineyard, or six years, six years, you shall sow your field, right? And, do, and you plant all your, your crops for six years, and you, you reap the harvest, but on the seventh year, there shall be a, a rest for the land. What does that mean? Leviticus 25, 5 to 7, what grows of its own accord of your harvest, you shall not reap, uh, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine, for it is a year of rest for the land. And the Sabbath, uh, produce of, the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you, for you, your mate, for you, your male and female servants, your hired man, and the stranger who dwells with you, for your livestock and the beasts that are in your land, all its produce shall be food, shall be for food. So according to scriptures, the, the Sabbath for the land is for six years. You tend it, you, you plant, and you, you sow and plant, and you reap the harvest, and you sell your harvest because that was basically commerce back then, right? But on the seventh, you are not to do it. You let the land grow its own food, right? And that will be the food for you. So this required really a lot of trust on the part of the Israelites to observe the Sabbath of the land and Yahuwah God gave a warning if this is not going to be observed. In Leviticus 26, 33 to 35, I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your, your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate and you are in your enemy's land. And the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate it shall rest for the time it did not rest on your Sabbaths when you dwelt in it. And so after Yahuwah gives the command concerning the land Sabbath, Yahuwah already knew they were going to break this command. This is why he gave a warning. He said, you're going to stay as captives in a different land, in a foreign land, for as long as you allowed the desolation of this Sabbath to take place. And we know that that was like 490 years. So for 490 years, the people of Israel ignored the land Sabbath. And so because of that, well, how many years are they going to stay in captivity? Well, 490 divided by seven, what do you get? Seven years, right? This is why in Second Chronicles 36, 20, 21, and those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of Yahuwah by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed 
her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath, uh, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. And it's good that we're kind of looking into this because we're going to go back to this, the seven years, when we talk about Daniel for our Bible history project. Okay, so that's question number one. Let's go to our next question. Uh, John 1, 1931. Hindi po ba ang dito ay ating Panginoong Yahushua na pinako siya sa krus ng araw ng Sabbath? Salamat po. John 1931, doesn't this teach that our Lord Yahushua was nailed to the cross on a Sabbath? Let's go ahead and find out. Let's look, let's look at John 19, verse 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. For that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And so in the book of John, 19 verse 31, the Apostle John, the one who wrote the gospel according to John, he's writing about Yahushua when he died on the cross, right? It happened on preparation day. And when he died or was nailed on the cross on preparation day, what was the, the request that uh, Joseph of Arimathea, what did he request Pilate? He requested that Yahushua's body be taken off the cross for that Sabbath, uh, off the cross before Sabbath comes, for that Sabbath was a high day. This was the request of the Jews, and the one who took command was Joseph of Arimathea. Matthia. Now, what is this preparation day all about? And what is that Sabbath mentioned in John 19.31 all about? Does it mean Yahushua was crucified on a Sabbath? Let's read John 19, 14 and 16. Now, it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him uh, to them to be crucified. So they took Yahushua and led him away. So when John mentioned preparation day, what was that all about? It was the preparation day of the Passover. So Yahushua was sentenced to die on the cross, and he died on the cross on the preparation day of the Passover. Now, what is that preparation day of the Passover? Well, what we need to understand is where it came, where it comes from. It comes from the Torah, Apostle John, and also the people of Yahuwah, the Yahushans, and even the Jews. At this time, they were observing what was given to them by Moses long ago. And so when we go back to the Torah, according to the Torah, the people of God are to observe the 14th that's the Passover. Remember, we read Leviticus 23 earlier. And the Feast of Tabernacles from the 15th to the 21st of the first month. Remember, the Feast of Tabernacles, it has two Sabbaths, right? When were they celebrated? The Sabbaths. The first day and the seventh day. Even if they don't fall on a Saturday, what are they called? Sabbaths. A high day or a high Sabbath or a special Sabbath, because it's different from the weekly Sabbath, because it's connected to the feasts of Yahuwah. During the Christian era, the entire eight-day festival, the Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles, um, the celebration during the Christian era eventually became known as the Feast of Passover, or simply Unleavened Bread, which was an eight-day celebration. 
What was the first day of this celebration called? It would be called the preparation day of the Passover. That's when the Passover lambs are killed, which is on the 14th of, of the first month. And so when we go back to John 19.31, therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. Preparation day, when is that? That's the 14th, right? That's when the lambs are killed. And that's when Yahushua HaMashiach died on the cross. And so when he was on the cross on the 14th of the first month, of, when he was on the cross on the, on the day of Passover, what did Joseph request? That his body be taken out so that it will not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. For that Sabbath was a high day. And so John is telling us that after, on the day Yahushua died, the following day is a Sabbath. What kind of Sabbath? A weekly Sabbath? What kind of Sabbath is it? A high Sabbath, a high day. This is why in John 19, verse 31, now it was the, in a different translation, the NIV. Now it was the day of preparation. And the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Not the weekly Sabbath, but the special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. So what does this tell us? Yahushua did not, did not die on the Sabbath. But before the Sabbath. You see that? He died on Passover day. And the following day is a high Sabbath. Okay. And to further prove this in Luke 23, 52 to 54, Luke is the one narrating now the gospel event. And so the same event, but from a different point of view, this is what Luke says, going to Pilate, he asked for Yahushua's body. That's Joseph of Arimathea down wrapped it in, in linen cloth and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock one in which no one had yet been laid it was preparation day and the sabbath was about to begin and so yahushua died right before the sabbath so john 19 31 tells us that yahushua died on passover and the following day is a special sabbath okay all right now let's go to our last question for uh, today, it's a combination of English and Tagalog. Uh, defenders from another group sent this to me and told me to forward to you because they wanted to know the answer. They don't believe in the Sabbath because they said Christ is the Sabbath. So they are asking why we are not imposing the death penalty. <laughs> and that's our question for today. Uh, in Tagalog, this was the text that was given to this person. And this, was, this would serve as an... Uh, an argue, a point of argument against the observation of Sabbath today, and it centers around the imposition of the death penalty. And so in Tagalog, napanood namin partly yung November 23 in the Bible study ni Kajan, Sabbath ulit, uh, tapos uh, kanda, kada doctrine yata ng INCI itatakal niya, ang nagtatakalang, ang nagtatakalang ako, if talagang magfa-follow sila ng commandment number four, kung paano idineclare ng God kay Moses, need din nila implement ang penalty sa violators. Kasi ang God mismo nagsabi nun, death sa mga violate, na, sa, sa mag-violate. Kung ayaw nila na si Christ ang Sabbath under the new covenant, need nila i-impose ang death penalty sa violators ng Sabbath 
keeping, okay? And so in English, we partly watched the November 23rd Bible study from Kajan about Sabbath again, after which it seems that he will tackle every doctrine of the INC. I am just wondering if they will really follow commandment number four, according to how God declared it to Moses, because they would need to also implement the penalty for the Sabbath, which is death. If they do not want Christ to be the Sabbath under the new covenant, they need to impose the death penalty for violators of Sabbath keeping. It's actually a great question. I'm glad this question was brought up so that we can discuss it here. And so is it true that there's a death penalty imposed for those who break the Sabbath? Yes, there is. And this is recorded in the book of Exodus 31, 14 and 17. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. And then it says, whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. And so it's very clear. The commandment, right, to observe the Sabbath was given. It's the fourth commandment, the commandments of Yahuwah. And also the instruction given to Moses, whoever does any work on Sabbath day, whoever profanes the Sabbath, this person shall be put to death. And so the argument posed by the one who asked the question is simply this. Why, if we're going to obey the command of God to keep the Sabbath, then we also have to impose the death penalty. But you will see it's not connected. There's a difference between the commandment and the punishment for breaking the commandment. There's a difference between the two. And we will go through that as we study together. Does it mean uh, keeping Sabbath is no longer in effect because death for Sabbath breakers are not enforced? That's essentially the argument. This is why when he asked the question, I am just wondering if they really will follow the commandment number four, according to how God declared it to Moses, because they would, uh, would need to also implement the penalty for the Sabbath, which is death. And so that's the argument. If you're going to obey commandment number four, then you have to also obey putting people to death if they break the Sabbath. Question, when you read commandment number four, does it tell us what needs to be done when someone violates the Sabbath? Is that part of the commandment? Yes or no? When you read commandment number four, it doesn't mention that. The punishment is distinct from the giving of the command. What's the command? Observe the Sabbath. How do you observe it? By resting on the seventh day. That's commandment number four. It doesn't mention the penalty that is to be incurred by those who break the Sabbath. It comes later, okay? And so you cannot use the argument that because you cannot enforce the death penalty for Sabbath breakers, that you no longer have to obey the commandment number four, because that would present a lot of problems. First of all, there's also commandment number six and commandment number seven. Do you remember commandment six and seven? Well, in Exodus 20, uh, 13 and 14, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Are we to observe this command? Yeah. But did you know those who violate these commands also have to be put to death? Leviticus 24, 17, whoever kills any man shall surely be put to death. In Leviticus 20, 10, the man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. And so we have the commandment given in Exodus 
And in Leviticus, we are given the judgments against the, break, the breaking of the command. You see how they are distinct? And so if we're going to say that we should not observe the Sabbath because to observe the Sabbath means we have to enforce the punishment for those who break the Sabbath, then what are we going to do about the commandment? You shall not murder and you shall not commit adultery, right? Does it mean that you must not murder and you must not commit adultery is no longer in effect because death for violators cannot be always be enforced. You see, there's a difference between the command of God to keep the Sabbath and the judgment decreed against those who break the command, okay? And so the command that we will see later on, the command remains the same, Old Testament, New Testament. But the judgment concerning the breaking of the laws of God, that will change according to the covenant, okay? And so we're going to see that because in Exodus 21, verse 1, there's a difference between the command and the judgment. Exodus 21, 1, now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. What's the purpose of the judgment? So that you will know what to do with someone who violates what? The command. You see the difference between the command and the judgment? The Bible gives us not just the commandments, but also the judgments. In Hebrew, that word judgment means mispat, Hebrew 4941, which means an ordinance, an act of deciding a case, a, a verdict, favorable or unfavorable, pronounced judicially. And so if there's commandments, you have to do something when someone violates the command. These are called judgments. And judgments and ordinances and statutes like in Deuteronomy 6.1, this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which Yahuwah, your God, has commanded to teach you. So we have judgments, we have ordinances, we have statutes. And what is the meaning of statutes? It's the Hebrew word hok, uh, Hebrew 2706, which means a statute, an ordinance, a limit, a prescribed due, a prescribed limit. You see, whenever someone violates a commandment of God, Somebody has to make a decision concerning the just punishment for the violator of the commands of Yahuwah Abba. So we have the commandment and we have the judgments. Hebrew word judgments, mispatim, means guiding decisions. These are illustrative laws intended to provide future generations of judges with precedents that can serve as guides for their decisions. And so before anyone carries out the death penalty, they have to face judges. This is according to the covenant led by Moses. Remember, the old covenant is based upon Yahuwah Abba's covenant that he made through, what's his name again? Moses. Moses is basically the mediator of the old covenant. In the old covenant, the way judgments are made is through judges. And who are these first judges that were appointed? Numbers 11, 16, and 17. So Yahuwah said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them. And they shall hear, uh, they shall bear the burden of the people with you. You may not bear it yourself alone. So Yahuwah, instead of Moses making the decisions on cases all by himself, he also, Yahuwah appointed elders 
in Israel who will help Moses carry the burden of making decisions concerning the people of Israel. What were this, these decisions about? It has to do with settling disputes. When people sin against each other, when people sin against Yahuwah, there has to be a decision concerning the judgment to be imposed against a violator of the commandments of Yahuwah. And what are they called? Deuteronomy 16, 18, and 20. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town Yahuwah your God is giving you, and they shall judge the people fairly. Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept the bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Follow justice and justice alone, so that you may live and possess the land Yahuwah your God is giving you. And so those appointed as elders, they are to judge, and they are to judge according to justice, which is based upon the will of Yahuwah Abba. And so we can see here that for the people of Israel, to function as a people who, during the days of Moses, was a theocratic nation, right? They had to observe the teachings of Abba that Yahuwah God, Yahuwah God gave to them during the days of Israel and use judges to interpret whether or not a violation has been made and what to do with the violator. These are the judgments. Who gave the judgments? The judges appointed among the people of Israel. And so the command to keep the Sabbath is from the Ten Commandments. But the death penalty for Sabbath breakers is based upon the Old Covenant. It's dependent on the covenant. During the days of Moses, yes, there was a death penalty to be imposed when you break the command of Sabbath. However, when we move to the New Covenant, who's the mediator? Yahushua. What happened? Let's read Hebrews 9, 14 and 15. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called and can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins that they had committed under the first covenant. And so in the first covenant, when people committed sin, there were requirements for atonement and there was penalty for sins. But after Yahushua died, his blood that was used to atone for our sins. How powerful and eternal was that? The Bible says Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins. Does that include the death penalty? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And so under the new covenant of which Yahushua is the mediator, the penalty of the sins that was done in the first covenant that has been abolished. Okay, so the penalty was abolished. But the commandment, was that abolished? No. What's the proof? Hebrews 8, 6 down to 10. But now Yahushua, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. 
And so Apostle Paul is telling us, Yahushua, when he brought in the new covenant, it's based on better promises. What does that mean? Why is it better? Verse 7, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. What was faulty about the first covenant? Not the covenant, but the people. Verse 8, but when God found fault with the people, you see, the fault was not in the covenant itself. The fault was not in God. The fault was in who? The people. The people kept rejecting the command, violating the command, disobeying the commands. And so there had to be something so that Yahuwah God can show mercy and compassion and love for his people. So what did God do? But when God found fault with the people, he said, uh, the day is coming, says Yahuwah, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and let them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says Yahuwah. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says Yahuwah. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And so in this new covenant that is being mediated by Yahushua, a better covenant doesn't mean there's no more commandments. That's not what it means. The commandments remain the same. The laws remain the same. Why are we sure? Because in this new commandment, according to verse 10, Yahuwah says, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they'll be my people. So in the new covenant, same laws. It's the same commandments, the same 10 commandments. This is why under the new covenant, the 10 commandments remain in effect. But the judgments against violations have changed under the mediation of Christ, do you see the difference between the commandment, right, and the judgments? It's like here in the United States, for example. Maybe you're in California. There's a law that says you shall not murder. And if you violate that law, you go to jail, and they can give you the death penalty, right? But the death penalty can change, right? And it has changed over the years. And so when the death penalty is revoked, or when it's added again, the law concerning murder is still the same, right? It's the same thing. The new covenant, the commandments are intact. We are to keep and observe the 10 commandments. However, the judgments changed. This is why it's a better covenant in so many ways. First of all, Yahuwah will place his laws in our minds and our hearts through his spirit so that we will not want to violate the commands of God. It's in our hearts. It's in our minds. Second of all, Yahushua has paid already for the penalty of the sins of the first commandments, which tells us the commandments of Yahuwah that was in the first covenant is still in effect, even during the new covenant. And so we who belong to Yahushua, we are under the administration of Yahushua. No longer Moses, during the days of Moses, who were presiding to give judgments against violators, the judges, right? But during the days of Yahushua, John 5, 22, 23, for the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son, because he's the mediator of the new 
covenant. And so judgments are determined this time by who? The son. The son will execute judgment, just judgment, concerning violators of the commandments of Yahuwah. Does it mean we are free to commit sin because we have been set free from the penalty of sin? In the book of John 15, 4 to 6, Yahushua says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. So those who belong to Yahushua, they are branches connected to Yahushua as divine. What does that mean? We have to abide now in Yahushua. And so Yahushua is the one who determines what's to be done with a violator of the commands of God. Aren't you glad Yahushua is the one judging us? Can you imagine if it's someone else? There's something we know about our King Yahushua. He's merciful, right? Yahushua is merciful, compassionate, filled with um, love. Very different from the Pharisees, wouldn't you say? Aren't you glad it's not the Pharisees? Aren't you glad it's not anyone else except for Yahushua, who is merciful and loving? However, it doesn't mean that we will just completely disobey the commands of Yahuwah. No, because Yahushua also says, if we will be stubborn, we, Yahushua, has the right as the judge to remove us from himself. He has the right as the judge to remove us as branches connected to him as divine. And so we need to keep in mind the command to keep the Sabbath. That remains the same, just like the command not to murder, not to commit adultery. The command is still there. However, the judgment concerning the violator of that command, that's determined by who? Our king, Yahusha. It's a good thing Yahusha paid for the penalty of our sins. Now, I want to go back to what he said uh, in the question, because uh, the one who was making an argument against Sabbath, they say they don't believe in the Sabbath because they said Christ is the Sabbath. So they're asking why we are not imposing the death penalty. Well, we already showed you why we are not imposing the death penalty. Um, but another part of the thought process is they say they don't believe in the Sabbath because they said Christ is the Sabbath. So if they believe Christ is the Sabbath, they should no longer keep the Sabbath. And we believe that Christ is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He's not the Sabbath, right? I mean, what does that even mean, Christ is the Sabbath? Can you explain to me, whoever wrote this question, can you explain to me what exactly do you mean that Christ is the Sabbath? We know Christ is the fulfillment of the Sabbath, Colossians 2.16, right? Yahushua's the substance. The Sabbath is the shadow. It, it is pointing to Yahushua, to what he will do in the future, okay? So the Sabbath is pointing to Yahushua. Yahushua is the fulfillment of the Sabbath and many other things in the Old Testament because the Old Testament speak of who? Christ. So do we believe? Do we believe that Yahushua is the fulfillment of the Sabbath? Do we believe that? Yeah. Does it mean, however, because we believe that Yahushua is the fulfillment of the Sabbath, that we're going to break the Sabbath? It doesn't make sense, does it? Right? What we believe is Mark 2, 27, 28. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for men. Want to pause there for a while? Who's speaking in this passage? Yahushua. 
Did he say that we are to abolish Sabbath? No, he said the Sabbath was made for men. What does that mean? The Sabbath is something we should and we must be observing. It was made for us. This command was made for us, not just for the Israelites, but for man. And so when Yahushua said the Sabbath was made for man, it means we should obey the Sabbath, right? It doesn't make sense for Yahushua to say the Sabbath was made, was made for man. By the way, I'm abolishing the Sabbath. It doesn't make any sense. When Yahushua said the Sabbath was made for man, it simply means this command is something we need to keep. And then he adds, therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. This is why when you think about this passage, believing that Christ is the fulfillment, fulfillment of the Sabbath does not mean we should break the Sabbath. It means we must also fulfill the Sabbath, right? Because the Sabbath was made for us, and Yahushua himself is the Lord of the Sabbath. And then we're going to break the Sabbath? No, we are to fulfill the Sabbath. You see, when Yahushua purchased us with his blood, he purchased us with his blood so that we can be free from the penalty of sins that we have committed under that first covenant. And so the blood of Yahushua sets us free from the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin according to the law of sin and death? What is the penalty of sin? Let's read Romans 8, 1 4. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Yahushua. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you, freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just, the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So according to Apostle Paul, when Yahushua died for us on the cross and by his shed blood, we have been set free from the penalty of sin. Does it mean we are free to commit sin? Is that what it means? Is the freedom purchased from us, for us, by Yahushua, freedom to commit sin? What is your answer? No. The Bible says that we have been set free from the power of sin and death so that we will have the freedom to obey and follow the spirit that will lead us to obey the commandments of Yahuwah, our God. And so Christ died for us and set us free from the penalty of sin, not so that we can be free to sin, not so that we can break the Sabbath, but so that we can be free to obey the commandments of God, including the Sabbath, not from a fear of punishment, because we have been set free from punishment, but because of our love for God. You see that? Isn't that beautiful? Yahushua redeemed us with his blood, not so we can have a license to commit sin, a freedom to commit sin. No, but the freedom to obey the commands of God without fear of penalty or punishment so that we can obey because of our love, our love for Yahuwah Abba and Yahusha HaMashiach. This is why our freedom in Yahusha, Yahusha be, being the fulfillment of the Sabbath, should move us even more to obey the Sabbath that was made for each and every one of us 
in the first place. And so to conclude, what should we do? Because we belong to our King Yahushua. Let's read Matthew 12, 8 down to 12. Last passages of our study today for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Why would he say that if he's abolishing the Sabbath? He says he's a Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Yahushua. He asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit in the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And so Yahushua, being Lord of the Sabbath, is telling us, do good on the Sabbath. What does that mean? Observe the Sabbath by doing good. This is why on the Sabbath, what do we do? We meet together for worship and we do good towards one another. Does it mean that's only on the Sabbath that we will do good? No, we do good every day, but we set apart the Sabbath day as a special day because it's a special day to Yahuwah and Yahusha. Yahusha himself said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Do you believe? that Yahushua is the Lord of the Sabbath. If you do, then it is our duty to fulfill and to keep the Sabbath that was taught by Yahuwah in our King Yahushua HaMashiach. Okay, that is our lesson for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Let us all stand and we shall pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, yes. thank you so much for blessing your people today. Yes. As we studied your holy words and your commandments, it is crystal clear to us that indeed your Ten Commandments is what we must uphold. Yes. You have written them in our hearts and our minds. Amen. And so we will obey all of them, yes. especially the commandment concerning the Sabbath. Amen. Father, bless our loved ones and friends yes. so that when we share these biblical truths with them, they will be inspired yes. and they will continue to be together with us to worship you in spirit and truth. Amen. Our loving Mashiach, Yahushua, yes. we need you at this moment. You are the one who continues to bless your servants. Yes. Help us to be strong each day, to yes. grow in faith each day, and help those who are going through tribulation yes. and persecution, that they will have the boldness and the courage and strength Yes. To do the will of our Abba. Amen. Father, bless your people throughout the world. Yes. Please keep us safe from calamity, yes. from diseases and sicknesses. And may you provide for our rapid healing. Amen. We believe, Father, that you have listened to our prayers. Yes. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.